for that guy in Spain, he meets some young Spanish chick and they fall in love and start a war and stuff like that. Uh, those Spanish women, they'll get you. They do. They, they've got me. They've got me, man. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Red Pill Generation. I'm your co-host, Tess. I'm a bit under the weather, so you might hear some sniffles, but uh, podcast must go on. I'm here, then I'm going to be going out with some people, and I'm still stacking those dongs, but uh, Mocha and I were talking about stacking dongs, it doesn't sound as good as stacking mouths. Stacking mouths sounds just stacking, way better. Stacking, stacking mouths is just, it's significantly better now. You don't want to... Talk about dongs too often, you know? Yeah, it's like, uh, hey, you want you want to read my resume? I stack dongs for a living. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, it's Cafe Mocha, you know, sexy, sultry. I'm excited for this episode with an interesting, interesting guest, and uh, I'll let you test do the intro. Yeah, so uh, today we're talking to James Soller, and uh, James runs JimmyESL.com, and that's a resource for English teachers and students. He's got jobs over there. He's got worksheets for classes. He's got blog articles all about teaching. And uh, when me and Mocha, when we were actually looking into James and what he does, we really like that he's an entrepreneur. And he's taught English in many, many different locations. He's taught in Japan. He's taught in South America. And he's done it for over seven years. And uh, he's also given instructions to other teachers on how to properly teach ESL classes. And he also helps people find jobs for teaching English in countries they want. So it could be like in South Korea, Saudi Arabia, or Japan. Wherever you want to go, he can help you get placed. Um, he also helps place people into TEFL programs to get teaching certificates as well. And he works at the Chicago ORT Technical Institute. All stuff we'll expand on. Um, but so in addition to his own writing at Jimmy ESL, He's written for Japan Today and ThoughtCatalog.com, and you can also check him out at another blog he founded, which is Beyond Borders ESL, and that's at uh, BeyondBordersESL.com. So that's quite a it's quite a rap sheet. Have I have I got it all, James? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> all right, yeah. We just want to say thanks uh, thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you know, we dig deep here at Virtual Generation, and we come up with some secrets, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few secrets, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah, so we just wanted to start a little bit about uh, who you are. So do you want to talk about kind of your background, where you grew up, where you were born, and uh, kind of some things that maybe cultivated your personality? Uh, yeah, well, I guess I've had a, a bit of a, a transient life. You know, uh, I call myself a bit of a gypsy. Um, I was born in uh, I was born in North Jersey and Bayonne, and I lived in my parents in Jersey, and we lived in Eastern Pennsylvania, and we moved to Las Vegas when I was fifteen, and so that was a big culture shock. You know, I met a lot of people, a lot of international people, saw a lot of beautiful women for the first time. There's not there's not many beautiful chicks in Eastern Pennsylvania, I can say that. <laughs> I was going to um, say maybe snuck into so, a few casinos or something. Oh, well, yeah, even when I was a young kid, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I went to school in Vegas, went to UNLV, went to university in grad school out there. 
Um, and I, uh, I decided to move to Japan when I was 26 and spent four years in Japan, did a lot of traveling, met a lot of cool people. And uh, I've been back in the U.S. since 2011, uh, mostly in Washington, D.C. I uh, lived in Chicago for a while. I'm actually back in Washington, D.C. now, just to let you guys know. Um, so I think, you know, for me, for me, I've, I've, I've traveled a lot, I've traveled to South America, Asia, I've lived in different places, met a lot of people, um, different kinds of relationships, and so that's kind of given me a different perspective on life, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you're very worldly, which is, is really awesome to see. Yeah, thank you. Um, so maybe, okay, because you mentioned, obviously, you know, going to Japan for four years, so, um... Big, obvious question. What made you get into teaching English as a second language? Like, what started it all? Well, I mean, I think the same reason most people do. I wanted to travel. You know, I wanted to live in a different country. Um, you know, I think when you teach abroad, you teach in Asia, it's not, you know, I don't think anyone's like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to teach English, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it's like, I, I want to live in, you know, Japan or live in South Korea or live in China or live in... Uh, Whatever, you know, um, you can travel, meet some people, save some money. Uh, I mean, teaching spawn is a good way to do it. You know, I, I wouldn't want to do it for 40 years. Um, but definitely for, you know, a few years, if someone wants to do it, it's, it's a good thing, you know. So, like, were you teaching before, uh, before you, you moved to Japan? Uh, very limited. You know, I was in grad school. I was I was a teaching assistant in grad school, so I taught a little bit, and I also I was a substitute teacher in high schools. But I wasn't a teacher teacher. I had some classroom experience. Okay. You know, but you know, Japan Japan is like China. You know, just you have to just be a native English speaker, be a Westerner, and you get a job. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So you mentioned like you know, part reason why people move abroad is. They want to live somewhere else, but they want to do so also use teaching as an uh, teaching English as a second language as a means to an end. Somebody, yeah, I think so. Uh, what what was the opinion in South America like? What, I'm not got a fascination with that continent. If only one had it. Well, I'm sorry, you cut off a little there. What was my my perception what, of South what, America? Yes, yeah. What was what was that like? Well, you know, it's, South America is really cool because I went there after after Japan, after being in Asia, and there's a lot of similarities. I mean, people are super chill, people are nice, hospitable, welcoming. The, the women are beautiful, just like they are in Asia. You know, I can't really say which one's better. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely it's definitely a little more wild in South America. There's that element of danger. You know, someone could stab you or someone could rob you. Uh, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen in Japan, right? Yeah, I'm surprised uh, you said that Japan was like easygoing. You said like there's a similarity between them. Really, Japan is easygoing. Well, you know they're uptight. I mean, they're uptight on the surface. Uh, you know, they work a million hours a week, right? But I mean, once you, I'm saying like once it's Friday night, Saturday night, you have a party with people. Like people are, you know, very easygoing in the sense of like they like to party, like to be hospitable and and warm and welcoming. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah, before we get into more of like a Jimmy ESL beyond, uh, beyond Borders, uh, I know you, you, you also work at the Chicago RT Technical Institute. Well, I'm, I'm actually, there? well, no, actually, you know, I, I, I should update my information. I'm, I'm, I moved back to D.C. a few months ago. Ah, um, okay. So, yeah. I, 
No, pretty much what I okay, what I do is I'm a I'm an adjunct teacher. I teach I teach ESL here in uh, Washington D.C. I teach political science at university, and I and I have my my small business, uh, which is recruiting people overseas. So I was so I'm kind of I'm teaching and I'm, I'm doing business. What's that? So it's the University of Maryland. Yeah, I just teach part time. I teach political science. Okay. So okay, so three questions about Jimmy ESL. How was the idea for Jimmy ESL and Beyond Borders um, conceived? And what were the first steps you took? And and also, what are the main differences between the two websites? Well, actually, to be honest with you, I I didn't. I wasn't very computer savvy like a year and a half ago. Um, I'm not a computer expert now. I just like. I was just kind of like, you know, I want to learn more about computers. I want to learn how to build a website. So I, I discovered this thing called WordPress, which I think is, do you guys do WordPress? I think WordPress is pretty awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I use WordPress for my my sites, uh, and then RPG is actually built on the Squarespace uh, backend. Yeah, okay. Okay, you know, I, I, I Squarespace is cool, too. I prefer WordPress just because you have a little more uh, freedom to, you know, it's, it's kind of more... You have to you have to do more on your own. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, and just you know, I, I just discovered WordPress, and I, I started going to these WordPress meetup groups and meeting people, and I, you know, I thought, oh, I'll make a website just as like a teacher resource website, you know, just like put material on it, just put a hell of it. And I thought, oh, I'll just start writing blog articles, and then and then I kind of just grew, and I, I figured like you know people started contacting me, and I, I figured I could just have a uh, you know a continuous blog, and just keep it going. Um, the Beyond Booker com is actually just a website. It's more like a business card. That's just my business, which is, a, is kind of you know, coalesces with Jim ESL. Um, so that's that's my business to recruit people for China, for South Korea, and for Saudi Arabia. So then the GPSL is more like it drives kind of traffic. Like people write articles, they read articles about yeah. teaching English abroad, and then it drives yeah. traffic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's of course, they're cross-linked, but I mean, <clears throat> Jimmy SL is still growing. I'm, I'm trying to expand it. I'm trying to get people to write for me. Um, so if there's people out there who are former teachers or current teachers, just crazy people that travel abroad, I don't care. I mean, people are always welcome to write an article for my blog. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just a blog just to give a lot of information out there for people who want to teach abroad or, or about living abroad or, or getting a visa, all kinds of stuff like that. So then you designed your own website, and before that you didn't really know what. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I created both of those myself. I mean, you know, they probably need some work. Um, I had, I was completely clueless like a year and a half. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, as I go along, I, I've been trying to study more and more about HTML and, and CSS and all these things, and so that's something I'm trying to work on myself. Yeah, there's like a lot to learn when you start getting into WordPress, and there's then a I, lot, the yeah. nice thing is that WordPress has such a really good community that you can pretty much Google anything, and you can either get someone to help you out, or uh, you can find it in the codex. But it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. It's a great community. It's it's fantastic. You meet all kinds of really nice people. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, like Squarespace was great for the podcast initially, just because it was one of those things where I banged up the website and five minutes, ten minutes, or exactly. whatever it was, and then, uh, then I have run into issues now, and I want to make it a little, I want to customize it a little bit more, and I can't, because yeah. you, you, you're working off of the template, right, so I think going you're forward, I might yeah. go over to Squarespace, I mean to WordPress, but the other 
Um, oh, okay. A couple things with that. So yeah, so you started it, I mean, did you have a partner, or if not, uh, did anyone help you initially? No, no, everything's all myself. Um, no, you know, I mean, I had some friends help me with different, like, logo design and stuff like that, or images, but no, about 98% of it's all myself. You know, I've been, I've been doing this all myself now for over a year, and working as well, teaching, so I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm looking to make, take, take the next step and kind of expand on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just want to mention this. It's, I just want to mention, too, I mean, people out there who, who you know, you know, guys like us or guys who aren't into business but want to get into business, I think WordPress is really just a great way to start any kind of business and to kind of take that first step towards entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, man. Like, uh, you didn't know anything about something prior and then you did it yourself. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so, going off of that, of course, the difficulty. So, what were your initial failures? What were your initial difficulties? And how did you overcome them? How did you deal with them? Oh, just get really mad and yell and get pissed off. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, be like one of those angry here. videos you see the guy like throw the computer screen across cry, across cry. the room. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, you know, no, I mean, it, it, the thing is, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm still learning. I'm, I have a lot to learn. It's the whole thing's a lot of fun, and because um, it's not, you know, when you're building a website or, or trying to do a business, you're, just, you're learning like you know a thousand things at one time. It's, it's between building the website and learning social media and, and writing a blog article and SEO and all this stuff. And, um, there's some days we want to just stop doing it. You know, I can't too much, but then it's when, when you get, you know, when you take those steps and you accomplish something that feels good, and you can kind of see the, the future, you can see the horizon that, that, you know, there may be some success in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for us, like, you know, talking about you writing blog articles and, and, and content like that with the podcast, one of the issues we had is consistency in producing content, right? Like, we were growing exactly. rapidly, and then we dropped off. You know, we've come yeah. back now, we're growing again. So did you have issues with consistently uh, producing content? Yeah, yeah, I, I had issues with consistency as well. It's just because it's all about time, right? You know, it's yeah. how much how much time do you have? I mean, I'm also working, too. It sounds like you guys are also working. Yeah, you know, and there's only, like, time. so many hours in the day, and you need to try and get at least exactly, some exactly, sleep. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And that's the, that's that's the, the whole process. Yeah, even if you're super motivated, even if you just don't sleep, and you just whatever, you know, you just you, you can only do so much stuff, and you can only be productive for so many hours in a day. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. It's just it's timing. What What do you do when you work eight hours, and then you come home and you want to go to the gym, and you, know, you want to eat properly, and then you want to work on your business afterwards? Exactly. No, that's that's the issue. Yeah. You know. You, because you want to have a social life, too. You know? I mean, I'm a guy, I, I like to hang out with people. I'm pretty sociable. You know, like, I yeah, work all day. I'll go to the gym, go for a run, you know, hang out with my girlfriend, go do whatever. You know, I mean, you got to find time for it. You know? I, I, think it's, I think it's just, I think it's really just sitting down, you know, at least twice a week and just, you know, devoting a few hours just really, you know, writing or whether it's writing or doing social media or emailing people or contacting people. That's kind of the issue. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's also like having a schedule. Like um, most of my friends know, I'm really I'm I'm OCD with my schedule, and sometimes it gets changed. But like I have 
a lot of hours blocked off for specific stuff, so like emailing and writing and stuff, but it's the only way I know that personally I can get my, my shit done. Otherwise, like, things just aren't going to move forward. No, you know, I, I, I need to move towards that path as well. I, I, I kind of was like that in the beginning, and I've kind of gravitated away from that. And, yeah, I, I definitely had some problems with consistency the last few months. I'm trying to get back on track. Yeah. But you definitely have to be a little OCD about it. You have to be a bit anal about it. You just have to do it. Just yeah, not... yeah, it's like getting, getting the motivation and, like, getting procrastination procrastination out of the way and just sitting your ass down and doing the fucking work, pretty much. Exactly. And I'm curious about you guys. You guys are in Asia, and you guys are young guys in Asia. You're probably having a blast. I mean, how do you guys focus on this? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the United States. It's pretty boring here. <laughs> well, you, guys are surrounded, you guys are surrounded by beautiful chicks all day. There's high bars you go to. There's parties. I have to say no a lot. <laughs> yeah. I just say no a lot. That's, that's pretty much how I try to keep myself out of trouble. Because okay, the thing is, before I moved, before I moved to China, I had my you know nights when I was going out. Like I had coming up three, four nights a week, and yeah. Uh, so and I'm here. I'm really, really serious about business. So I do. Guys, I have you guys like, yeah, yeah. I was so, yeah. I was like you know when I first got to China, my first month I was party. You know so. <laughs> I, I really was going crazy my first month, but now I will go like, let's say, once a week, right? And now I have that crazy night of two weeks, and then the rest of the week, and I'm sort of at home after work and working my stuff, I go to the gym, and I still go for stuff like that, I still go on dates, but um, I try to keep it to a minimum. And then if I do, every two weeks I'll maybe take some time off of uh-huh. work or whatever, and I'll, I'll have like a crazy week or something like that. So, you got, yeah. you got, you got tell, tell the ladies, tell the ladies, I have a schedule, okay? I'm working on yeah. my blog, I'm sorry, I can't see you. Yeah, yeah, you know, it makes them, makes them interested, but, um, yeah, because like... Yeah, he's, very, he's very industrious, anyway. <laughs> uh, oh my god, it's very funny, actually, I was texting a chick a few hours ago, and I was telling her about like the blog and this and this, and she said, um, what'd you call me? Oh, you are a very exemplary young man, because I'm 26, and she's like 32 or something, but I'm like, okay, I'm not in kindergarten, okay? Don't, don't tell me that. But anyways, um, yeah, Mocha, I think Mocha has a lot, um, like, we both have a lot going on, but Mocha is really, really busy, because he's, uh, in school as well, in addition to the business, but, um, it's kind of like me for the same thing, like, I have, um, kind of one night I go out, and I take a day off, and then, you know, I putting my dates here and there, but uh, I'm very bad at overworking, and then I burn myself out so much that I can't use my days off, so I'm trying to get better at it, but it's it's like he said, it's kind of like you have to kind of say no sometimes and, you know, sacrifice a bit, but it's also like... Hmm? I said, for me, my favorite... I'm studying Mandarin, right? So my favorite sentence when girls ask me all this, and I say no, and they ask me why, I'll say, woohen you know, I'm not too busy because I'm a boss. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's it is true. You need uh, like, like you need like one yeah. day like here and there where you're kind of partying. But it's also like you have few party times. Like we're trying to get a trip together to bring uh, twelve guys down from uh, Canada, and we're all going to rampage across Asia for two two weeks to a month. So you know, stuff like that. So you balance out the hard work with you know some play. Yeah, it's like you said. I mean, it sounds like you guys are all into self improvement and, and, and you know becoming you know strong individuals. 
and that's the thing. You, you have to party and have a good time, but you also have to just put the work in and, and just bang it out, you know. Um, I think going to the gym is a good thing. Kathleen, you're, you're talking about going, you're talking about going to the gym. Um, that's definitely important, you know, getting that, that stress reliever in there, you know, working out once in a while. Definitely. Or also have two days a week. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, sex and you know, you know, want to be a strong dude and, and, and be healthy and, and have an extra, you know, hop in your step. You know, you have to sex and you have to exercise a few days a week. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of like um, I think Moko is the one who always talked about this. How you'll sometimes kind of slip where you don't have everything sort of balanced because there's like three main, again, credit to Mocha for talking about this, but uh, three main pillars of your life, which is health, wealth, and relationships. And it's from the book. It's from the book. <laughs> I don't know which book. Okay, yeah, well, whatever book it's from, but you're the one who told me it, um, so I'm not stealing your thunder, but uh, health, wealth, and relationships. And you can kind of only focus mainly on two of the three at a time. And uh, the other one, you kind of have to let fall of it just, just to move forward in the other two. Um, so as much as, you know, you want to maintain balance as a human and as a person, sometimes you're going to lose a bit of balance and you just kind of have to accept it. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, before I moved to China, I was focused more on relationships and health. So I was going to the gym and I was hanging out with my buddies and I was going on dates and everything, but I wasn't really focused on, you know, my career. I was, but not as much. Now that I'm in China, <clears throat> I'm focused on wealth and health. So, you know, relationships aspects in terms of going out a ton is it's important for you. Definitely. Definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. Kind of going back um, more to the business side of things, um, okay. for, for Jimmy ESL and stuff, we saw is you, you've done like a lot of guest posting and you do have quite a strong online presence with you know Jimmy ESL and Beyond Borders. Um, what kind of strategies have you used to kind of grow your business and get inside people's heads to get them reading more? Like, is it just producing consistent content or is there something that you've tried to use? Um, you know, I, I think at first it was consistent uh, content. I, I think also I, I try and, you know, Okay, I write about teaching English abroad, which is not the most exciting topic, but I, I try and do it in a way that's very honest and realistic. Um, I, I don't write in a way where I'm marketing to people. You know, I, I give them honest advice. Uh, so if I write an article about teaching in, in, say, China or South Korea, like I'll write about what actually happens. You know, I won't just write about everything's going to be great, you're going to love your life, nothing's going to be bad. I'll, I'll talk about, okay, you're going to have some hardships here and there. Um, you're going to get homesick, you're going to, you know, whatever, whatever your, your situation is. And so I, I think people like that. You know, in fact, people who have emailed me and say, hey, I like your honest advice, and that's, that, that sounds genuine. And, and so I think they're more willing to share my articles with their friends or on social media and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I've seen uh, seen as well. Like with my, uh, my personal blog, it's like uh, the more honest you are, the more people appreciate it. And because, uh, you know, people can detect bullshit. So if you're just bigging up something and you don't talk about the negatives, yeah. then it's like it's not realistic, you know, because there's always a downside to stuff. Like the, I read one of your articles recently, yeah, and it was um, you're talking about China and you mentioned, you know, racism and stuff like that. A lot of articles, yeah. when they talk about teaching English, they wouldn't really address those sort of issues. No, never. Never, yeah, never. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually something I'm trying to get into. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on writing three or four articles, 
three or four more articles about that. It's about racism and teaching abroad. Um, because I get a lot of people that come to me, a lot of people who are who are Westerners, who are not white, and they want to teach abroad. And I play some of them, but then some of them I can't, or I have a lot of trouble. And, and so I'm trying to um, expose that issue. Because I, you know, I don't think it's right. I think if you're if you're a cool dude or a chick, whatever, and if you want to teach abroad, you're qualified. You should go teach abroad. So you've seen like a lot of uh, racism, kind of going through there's, the field. There's a lot of racism. I mean, I, look, I, I live in Japan. I, mean, I, I had uh, teachers, you know, friends that were black teachers. So there's definitely positions for people that aren't white, but it's still a big issue. Um, it's a real big issue in, in Korea, and also, I, I, from what I can tell, in Shanghai. Shanghai, it's, mm. it's a really big issue. Um, I don't yeah, know like, uh, that. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. like I'm black, I'm black, and I'm teaching. You know, so uh-huh. it's, it's it's interesting because I really, you know, I read about it before. Like I read, like for yeah. example, Rush before has you know little forums about stuff like that, and I really, yeah. I just didn't, I didn't experience it. You know, I really didn't experience it. So I think it depends on a lot of different factors, right? Like it depends on. You know, what are your resources? Do you know people? Because I, I got, I, I got like resources from people that have been in China for a while, and then my job specifically that I got, well, I was headhunted by the, the owner of the company was actually a British guy. So okay. I guess for him, he didn't really care where I, where I was from. He just looked at my qualifications and you know he interviewed me and he liked me so it's just it's it's an interesting thing because i've heard about racism and i know even for example my students uh, after they got comfortable with me <laughs> one student was telling me like when i came for the interview people were like oh my god we have a black teacher that's the thing that i'm trying to expose that i i don't think i think that once you're in a country it's all good no one cares when i was in japan in Sapporo, the most popular teachers were, were like three or four black dudes that I knew. They were, they were like superstars. And, you know, the, the issue, though, was with the, the, a lot of the companies and the recruiters that, you know, getting that initial interview or getting that initial contract, you know. So if I send uh, someone so over to a school, you think it's more yeah, like some, yeah some, some asshole in some corporation or whatever, some, you know, executive who's in charge of the, this, these particular schools is going to say, oh, no, we don't want that person because... You know, the parents might get offended or something like that. So that's more of an issue. So I'm actually looking, you know, I'm always looking for schools or or programs or companies that are more open-minded and are willing to hire people based on their qualifications. Oh, so if you guys know anything, please let me know. I'd appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man, I can connect you with a few places. Um, yeah, that's You're saying it's, it's more getting the initial interview than yeah. after. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. No, no, I know that you can always, you know, you can, someone could always fly to China possibly and do some networking, get a job, that's fine, but a lot of people, they want a secure job from the United States or Canada. Before they go, yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah, for, that's, me, for me, it was the opposite. I was like, you know, for me, I, I just, I had a certain amount of money and my yeah. idea was I'm going to come here and I wasn't even, maybe I wasn't even going to teaching, right? Like it just depended on what stuck first, like. The sourcing business makes enough money initially, or would have to go into teaching. And you know that's that's the best way to do it. In my opinion, that's the best way to do it. I mean, you know, I, and I always I always I write about that in some of my articles, which is not good for my business. But the best yeah. way is just to go to a country if you have enough money to do it. But some people don't have enough money, or they, they don't want to take that leap of faith, or are scared to do it. I'm not sure. Or it's super stressful well, when you're about to run out of money and then uh, you have to scramble well, for a job. Saying, 
you almost ran out of money. I, I had a, I had similar situations when I was in Japan. I, in Japan, in four years, like I worked the first year, I finished my contract, I came back home for three months. I went back, and I had the same situation where I, I had just enough money for like two months. And I had to find a job again, and yeah, it gets stressful. But it's part of the adventure too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's I look back on it now. I'm like, oh, what, what was I worried about? It worked out, and it worked out even better than I thought. But of course, in the moment, you're kind of like. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! I need money! I need money! I need money! <laughs> I think it's a fear. I think it's a fear thing. You know, I think people want to secure the job before they get here. You know, and, and a lot of times, a lot of times it can be can be great, of course, but then a lot of times it can be very negative. Because I have one chick that I met a while ago. She's from she's from yeah. Scotland, and she got a job from Scotland, and they promised her a lot of things. As soon as she got here, she found herself in some shitty town in the middle of nowhere. Um, she was living two hours away from the school, and on top of that, she was living in a shithole, you know? So, in, in, in then she ended up after a month of being in China and trying to look for another job in Guangzhou. She was in some, like, small town outside of Guangzhou. And, like, there's a, there's a negative aspect to you know, wanting to secure a job before you get here because you also don't know what this place is like. You know? I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So it's, it's, I guess you have to, you have to be able to get the deep of faith. And of course, if you can secure a job beforehand, then that's great. But yeah, securing a job and with like a reputable company or someone you trust. Because I was looking um, for teaching jobs before, but the one, the things that I found, they just didn't look like reliable at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it just depends. You know, it really depends. It's, I mean, it, it, it's also part of the industry. It, it's, it's not a a very um, well-regulated industry. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of chaos and bullshit out there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, before, before teaching English, though, actually, because um, you're like, you even said you're like, okay, I want to travel. Like, let me teach English. Did you ever consider trying to do... Anything else, like trying to establish something that was location independent in terms of business, or were you just like, no, you know, teaching seems awesome. This is what I want to do. No, because I, I wasn't business mind at the time. You know, I, I, I'm kind of a late bloomer. You know, I, I, I didn't become business mind until later on, um, which is one regret. I wish I had started when I was younger. Um, no, I, I had no intention for business at that time. I just wanted to go abroad, and and I, I got hired from a company, you know, in Canada actually, and. and you know, I had a guaranteed paycheck and a visa and an apartment, and I'm like, well, shit, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems pretty good. Um, so what you're saying is, what you're saying is you didn't take the red pill too much either. <laughs> <laughs> I did not, man. No, I was not a red pill guy back then. I was just a crazy maniac under the broad at the time. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it still takes a bit of red pill in you to like just jump abroad and be like, all right, I'm moving. I'm moving from U.S. Yeah. to God knows where. I guess you're right, but I was—I definitely wasn't following the, you know, the kind of the wealth aspect or the kind of the self-improvement or the business aspect of it. Yeah. While you've been kind of teaching and as you've been building your business, um, something I always kind of harp on because this is what I've seen through school. It's how I've gone all my jobs, and it's how I got the job I'm at right now. Is that networking and contacts kind of can make or break you? Um, how important would you say the contacts you've made? Just from business, from teaching, from being friends, like how important would you say they were to who you've become and, and how you've succeeded? Oh, it's very important. 
it's, it's everything actually. You can need your contacts. Um, because one contact leads to another contact, pretty much. I mean, you just need, it's just it's essential. You, you can't. I, I don't see how you can start any kind of business or, or blog or networking or, or whatever you're trying to do if you're not you're not making lots of contacts and networking with people. And, and and I was never a great networker. I I've been trying to improve on that aspect as well in the last year or so. So I I, I can definitely see the benefits now. Speaking of business, so like what, what so far? What's your proudest entrepreneurial moment? Indeed. Um, you know, like I said, I, I'm a new entrepreneur, so I, 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 I mean, I can't really. So I think that the proudest thing is just, you know, um, I mean, I have an official business license. You know, you know, actually getting those first few contracts of, of you know, recruiting teachers, getting those first few contracts, and getting paid, and nice. and and getting paid from affiliate marketing. You know, it's not a huge amount, but it's getting getting that initial money. Coming yeah, in. yeah, seeing those uh, those royalty royalty numbers go up and up. You know, the, the, the first you know whatever a hundred dollars, the first five hundred dollars, the first thousand dollars is so hard to make. Nice. You know, and it's it's really hard to make, and. and you know, I haven't made a whole lot, but I, I, I definitely can see something in the future. And, and I, I think once you make that initial income, um, you gain a little confidence. You can kind of see what works, what doesn't work. And you can you can hopefully take the next step. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing for me. Like last year, I made my first, you know, couple hundred dollars from source. You know, so that was that moment. Yeah. Okay, because like, this actually works. Like I can actually get paid from yeah. some sort of entrepreneurial yeah, it's the same with me. Like with affiliate marketing in my book, I'm like, oh, I've sold one copy. That's one dollar, and then it's like a bunch of copies, a hundred, then more and more and more, and then it's like, wow, I broke like all my goals, which I thought would take me, you know, a good long time to do in just like a week or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, so build that confidence. What's the smallest you've done in terms of Jimmy ESL and your business? What's the smallest you've done that gave you the biggest results? And like, what was that? Oh, the smallest thing. Yeah, the smallest thing you did or are doing. You know, the smallest thing is just, it, it's just, just having like uh, just some other business I was doing. I was working on other business and just I had a, just like a list of contacts and just sending out like simple emails. It's like mm-hmm. I, I emailed one person who I didn't really know and just you know, hey, you know, I, I'm looking to I'm looking to recruit for China and she emails me back, hey, okay, I just checked out your blog and okay, cool, why don't we uh, why don't we talk and that, that turned into you know that turned some income actually. Um, just, I think sometimes you, you, you can't be afraid to email people or to call people. Um, if people say no, they say no. It's, it's like asking a girl on a date, you know. If she says no, she says no. There's, there's yeah, like it's like you, you don't know where it leads. It's so funny because uh, Mocha and I were talking, I think, the past two weeks about how there's a lot of corollaries in life between, like, how you treat your business, how you treat your personal life, how you treat the gym. Like, there's all this stuff that runs into play, and I agree with you, like, you know, just taking that small step to maybe email someone, potential business client or anything, could lead to God knows what. But if you try and psych yourself out, you're like, oh, no, they don't want to be bothered, they won't answer me, then you could be missing out on, you know, who knows what. Yeah, well, we're, we're, you know, I think all humans, we're, we're petrified of rejection um, because we have a natural insecurity. Everyone does. But once you get to try and get over that somehow and just talk to people and, and See what happens. You know, like I said, the worst case scenario, they say no. Okay. They say no. Yeah. And then it's like, um, uh, actually, Ash would tell me this. It's like, you know, if someone says no, 
whether it be for business or dating or whatever, you're still better off than you were before because you conquered a bit of fear to do it, and then you've eliminated kind of like an option, quote-unquote, and you can just move on. Versus exactly. thinking the epitomal question, what if, which is the worst thing, regret. Again, and what if, and, and everyone does it, right? I've done it before, you guys have done it before, everyone does it, but, you know, just overcoming that what if is really, uh, I think it's really going to help you. Right on. Um, so, actually, on Jimmy SL, you know, you were talking about writing, yeah. writing articles, and now you're starting to get people to write for you. So on the site it says you know you pay twenty five to fifty dollars for guest writers. Um, besides the articles having to be related to teaching English abroad, and you know you're saying you'd like to have people who've taught English, um, is there anything like main criteria you look for from your writers to determine like their pay grade or if you want to have them on the site? Um, I, I think it's I think one thing is is how they approach me. You know, are they are they a bit are they enthusiastic? Do they have a nice personality? You know, of course you want good writers, but I want people that are, that are also willing to be creative as well. Um, so, you know, people can write about you know information about teaching English abroad. They can also just write about personal narratives, like okay, hey, I, I lived in this this city for a year. This is my experience. You know, and, and they can write about anything they want, um, not just about getting jobs, but also just just the lifestyle. Yeah, I was going to say just like travel in general, because travel in itself is like a huge, huge kind of adventure and, and life story in itself. It is. It really yeah, is. I might be taking you up on that offer, you know? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, probably, so, you we know, probably you both can. Both of you guys are more than welcome to write articles on my blog. And if you have any friends that are interested, that would be awesome as well. Um, you know... Yeah, I have a, I have a make weekly. I guess blog for a lot of people as well. So if you guys have yeah. you know, like write open your blogs or if you have any friends that are interested, let me know. Yeah, I have a weekly mastermind group, and uh, I mentioned like I was going to interview well, most of those guys. In fact, they're all in China, and they've all got amazing experiences here. And I, when I told them that they could possibly earn some money, I, I could hear them perk up. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, I, I think blogging. I, I think blogging is not just uh, it's not just about making money. It's also just you know getting some experience as a writer and practicing your yeah. writing, getting out there, yeah. exposure. Right? Because it, you know, for anyone that's a young entrepreneur, I mean, you know, okay, maybe you write ten blog articles, maybe you don't get paid nothing, but at least you can put that on a resume and say I did something. Yeah, I think another problem is like when you're trying to turn your art into uh, a business, which is something like you know I'm kind of doing, is um, if you get too attached to trying to make money and impress people, then you've forgotten what you're trying to do, which is you know just write stuff that you know that's entertaining and that you actually like doing, right? I agree. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah, we're at that stage right now with we're at that stage right now with our podcast because you know the subscriber base is growing. You know we're at. Uh, 900 subscribers now. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, and, it, and it's growing like consistently. So you know, I don't think I, I don't think I, I'm sorry, guys. I don't think I'm subscribed. I'm going to subscribe though today. <laughs> oh, yeah. drop, drop us a review on iTunes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we need those reviews. <laughs> we need those reviews. But uh, yeah, so like, our subscriber base is growing, and obviously, you know, we if we have a, a subscriber base, we would want to somewhat monetize that, but that we don't want to lose the initial vision. And then, of course, we're all friends who started the podcast, and it's like we have to have a, a meeting to be like, okay, look, 
had to turn it into a business. It's not just fun anymore. We all have to work equally and if we're going to share the profits in the future. So it's a weird moment, you know, when you kind of turn your heart into the business. It is kind of strange, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. All right, so, so you're, you're saying um, you determine the pay mostly by the personality and how they approach the articles you're going to write? Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, I, I want a good article as well, but I just don't want some generic bullshit. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's. I, I want, I want their personalities to come out. You know, I mean, look, I'm not paying a lot of money for each article. I, I can't pay a lot this time, but then it's also people I just want to write. You know, just for more exposure and just get their name. Of course, out. yeah. You know, so I mean, I guess it's sort of like having stuff, right? Like, even though it's maybe temporary stuff. So, what have you learned in the process of? hiring guest writers and potentially firing them, like potentially you know, dismissing maybe a, a shit. Well, I, I haven't had a lot of guests. I haven't had a lot of guests. I've had a few, and, and the ones that, you know, I, I post articles on my site, they're just, they're, I can tell they're, they, they just enjoy writing blog articles. They're very, mm-hmm. they're kind of like you guys. They're very busy, and they have, you know, they're very motivated, ambitious. Uh, and then I get people that send me emails to just, send me a bunch of bullshit and tell, you know, they, they tell me that they're so qualified or he's a great writer and I'm thinking to myself, well, why do you... It's like you hear a vacuum you know, cleaner sucking up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. So I, I just, yeah. I like people that are a little more modest but also very ambitious. At this stage, you haven't really had too many negative experiences with guest writers? Have you had anybody that... No, 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 I haven't. Uh, well, no, okay, I take that back. There was one guy, I took his article off like blog because I think he was doing something with backlinks or, or something, some of the SEO tricks. Oh, it's like black hat um, SEO. You gotta be really careful about that, you know, really careful. Um, I, I, something wasn't right, a little fishy. I took, I took his his link and his article off, he got mad at me, but I said, look, you're doing something here and I, I don't like it, so um, you definitely have to have people that aren't shady and, and people that, that are legit and clean. SEO is so important. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about your recruitment process with your business with Beyond um, Borders. So let's say I'm um, the average junior in college or graduate who's just like, you know, says, fuck it, like I need a break from studying economics or working at this bank. I want to travel for a year and teach English in Asia. So they come across your site. What happens next? Well, it, it depends. They come across JimmySL or BeyondBorders.com. They come to JimmySL.com. It's this cross link to. So if they go to my contact page, it goes it goes to my BeyondBorders.com uh, site. And uh, I just tell them send me your send their resume, uh, recent photo. Um, if they have a tap or TESOL, send that also to, to tell me where they want to teach, uh, what age group, and when they want to start teaching. So I get their information. I, I, I check if they're qualified. I get back to them. I talk to them briefly, and and I, I have you know I basically have different schools and, and some other companies that I work with throughout China and South Korea. Um, some are some are pretty good. Some are kind of I'm I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I want to keep working with them, and I, I try to you know I try to place them into help and get them into good jobs if possible. Um, it's not always easy for me to know you know what's the best choice just because there's so much BS out there in the ESL industry. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I try, I try, I honestly try to work with good people. Um, I, I think the people I work with are good, you know, but that could also change in the future, right? Um, 
there's just there's so many companies and recruiters out there. It's just it's it's, it's, it's impossible to know. Yeah, I remember actually reading a, a blog article on Jimmy ESL, not about specifically teaching companies, but um, I think you're talking about like fake TF TEFL certificates or fake certifications, something like that, going a lot around in yeah. the industry. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's like you know you can get a group on, you know, a temple group on for like seventy bucks or fifty bucks, which is just you know it's definitely not going to be accredited, or you have. Or you have companies that lost their accreditation, they're still they're still you know doing business things like that. Um, you definitely have to be careful with that. How do you how do you ensure that the potential teachers are accredited? How do you make sure about that? How do you check that? Well, the, the thing is that you know, well, first of all, I mean, teachers don't necessarily have to have a, a TEFL or a TESOL um, mm -hmm. in the initial step. I mean. So in, in China, a lot of provinces they want you to have a TEFL or a TESOL, but they can they can always come to me first. They can still apply for the job, and they can in the meantime get that TEFL or TESOL, take an online course, you know, for two three months. That's fine. I mean, I, I think I have a pretty good knowledge of which companies are legit. Um, most of the teachers that come to me, they have uh, they have a TEFL or a TESOL already from places like the International TEFL Academy or IDI TEFL. Uh, teaching house, places like that, or, you know, something through their, their university or college. So it, it's it's pretty easy to decipher what's what's real and what's not real. Also, you don't really get tricked that often, no? Just because you have the experience? No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. Mm. So how, how common is, you know, on the flip side, how common are, you know, the actual schools, how common are, how common are, like How common are teachers? Well, that's that's something I write about. You know, as far as teachers not getting paid, is that is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Just, or, or just I like, mean, for example, maybe I gave the story about the chick from from Scotland. Yeah, you know, schools making boxes and then you know changing once you get there. And, and you know that, that happens not just in China. That's happened before in South Korea. It's happened in Japan. I mean. I think that's not the norm. I, I think nine, I mean I could be wrong. You know I, I you know I think ninety five percent of the time it's it's legit. I think people get paid on time. Um, I mean you're teaching in China. I mean you know have you heard lots of horror stories or just just not one particular? It, it's not, I've I've heard many horror stories, but like I said, it's it's weird because I personally haven't experienced it, and then. Um, most of my inner circle friends, it's always like a friend of a friend who's experienced Well, that's the thing, too. I, I also think that some stories are a little bit embellished at times. Uh, you know, when I was in Japan, I heard some horror stories. I never had a problem. Um, you know, I, I think it's all based on perspective as well, right? I mean, you know, I, I also think part of the problem is that people think that I'm going to teach abroad and everything's going to be perfect. And, you know, yeah. I'm going to have the perfect situation. It, it never is. I mean, you know, you'll be, you know, like I had jobs in Japan where the actual school, I taught the school was okay, but I had a great apartment downtown. So I, I loved living downtown. I had a nice apartment. It was okay, right? Um, yeah. You know, I think your expectations can't be too high. I think, you know, if you want to teach English in Asia or South America, it's more about living in Asia or South America, right? Um, yeah. Now there are some there are some good positions if people are qualified, but a lot of people aren't that qualified. It's, it's a problem. I mean, I, like I have I have these positions I recruit for in Beijing, and 
and the teachers have to have a teaching license from America. They have to have like three years experience. So this is a different situation as opposed to someone coming to me is like, okay, I just got my bachelor's in, in geography. I have no teaching experience. You know, I just go teach in China. Well, and you kind of have to choose the best option and just kind of go with it and just, you know, experience living there. All right. And what do you think right now, where are most people trying to go? Where, where are more people trying to teach? Well, you know, it, 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 it was, I mean, up until, well, everyone wants to go to South Korea. That's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of changing, though, you know, because the South Korean economy um, is taking a huge dive, and, and there's not many positions left, and also that most schools there want to hire 23-year-old American women with blonde hair. And there's just not many, 20, there's not many 23-year-old American women left on the planet because America is very diverse. And so I, I yeah. you know, I've actually kind of stepped down my recruiting efforts for South Korea. I'm, I'm tired of doing the school there, recruiters. You know, it's the same story. Like, come on, that's 2015. So uh, I think a lot, I think you're seeing a big transition now to China. China is a new hotspot. I mean, China is a giant. Yeah, there, I'm sure there's some terrible positions there. There's also some good positions. Bit, but I mean, as far as I've heard, you know, China needs like 100,000 teachers a year, something like that, some ridiculous number. Um, yeah. So, you know, China's guaranteed job, and it's it also seems like a pretty cool place to go. You know, it's, I mean, you're not going to China. And right now, China is China's the, the place to be if you, if you want. I think China's the place to be. Yeah, yeah. I think... I think 10 years ago it was Japan and it was South Korea, now it's China. Uh, Vietnam is still top five. Vietnam used to be like number one a few years ago, tied. Yeah, Vietnam represent. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's China. It's definitely got to be China now. There's so much opportunity there. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to teaching English abroad, everyone has, you know, their own thoughts about how it's going to go and, and, you know, what will happen and how easy it will be. But uh, what do you think is the, the biggest misconception people have about teaching English? Um, I think a lot of people just think that, well, I'm a Westerner and I can do whatever the hell I want and people are going to love me. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest misconception. I, I think that, look, you know, if, yeah, you're going to get treated differently because you're a Westerner. People are going to be very nice to you and hospitable, right? But I think if you really want to maximize your time abroad, have a great time, make relationships, and just have great experiences, you have to go over there and also make an effort. Um, and, you know, and also make an effort to be nice to, to, to the local population as well. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I definitely have seen, you know, I walk down the street and people kind of just stare at me and people definitely treat me better. Yeah. And uh, girls will look at you differently. But at the same time, if you're a total rampaging jackass, I mean, you know, you can't really expect nice things to happen. Yeah, you're, yeah. well, not, not just for guys, but it's not just guys that are jackasses. There's also a lot of female teachers that are jackasses, too. Um, you know, they also think that because I'm a Western female or I can do whatever I want, the same as like a Western guy. So I think that, you know, people, they get their expectations up a little too high. Um, another misconception, that I think, is also saving money. I think people think they're going to save, like, tons of money teaching English abroad, I, I don't think that's going to happen. You're going to save some money. You can save some money. But, you know, I have people who are like, oh, I want to pay my student loans off in two years. I'm like, well, you know, if you owe $50,000, that can't pay it off in two years teaching in China. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they go live in like a, a shitty town somewhere and then have yeah. to stay like a shitty apartment. But it, it's well, like, yeah. Ubuntu is cheap, but it's not that cheap. You know, like, you, you, plus you, you're only going to be making like $2,000, $2,000, $3,000. Yeah. And you want to enjoy your life too, right? Yeah. You want to enjoy yeah. your life too. Yeah, like the average the average monthly salary a teacher makes is around two to three k, right? I mean, I know it depends on the location. It's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. I mean, China, I guess, is two thousand plus free housing in those cases, and in Korea, you make like two thousand, maybe two thousand three hundred in free housing. But you know, when I was in Japan, I think I made like three thousand, but I, I also got pretty lucky. I mean, it's it's not like you're I don't know about you guys, yeah. but I'm stacking, stacking miles, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, some of us have to pay off more, more debts, and then we can stack more. Well, not miles. We have to stack dogs. But stack anyways, dogs. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, for sure. Like it's, the thing is, like it's Guangzhou is cheap, but it's not that cheap. And especially if you're here and you're making, let's say, two k, and your living expenses are a thousand. Then you want to go out. Maybe you want to like travel around China and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, so you know it's the spending. the same as Saigon. Like Mok and I have talked about our monthly expenses between each other. It works out to like one to one point two k per month, and yeah. that's living like y- y- it's enjoying yourself, but it's not like you know balling out all the time. No, definitely not. No. So what? what so, yeah, like I said, still a, still a great experience being abroad, right? Oh you yeah, for sure. Having a great time. Yeah. I mean, I'm jealous. You guys, you guys are probably a little bit younger than me. I'm jealous. I, I miss those times walking on the street with people stare at you, or just, or just, you know, just talking to some random chick in a bar, some exotic looking chick, and she's, you know, she's digging you, having a good conversation. I mean, it's really fun. Fun. It's an adventure. Like, you feel alive. You feel alive. Mm-hmm. Even, even in the shittiest moments, you feel like, yeah, this is I'm living life, and you know, yeah, even. Bull so you're saying even after a China or Saigon day. Still good? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so speaking of, you know, the misconceptions and stuff like what, what advice would you give for people who are teaching or want to teach English abroad? My, my advice is to, to only do it if you really, if you're really interested in living abroad. That, I mean, really, I mean, I, you know, if, if your sole intention is to save money and pay off your student loans, don't teach English abroad. Yeah, you can save money. I'm not saying you can't save money, but your first priority should be, look, I want, I, I'm I'm pretty lucky to be a Westerner and I can go teach abroad somewhere. It's pretty cool, right? Uh, I want to go live in China or Brazil or whatever, Eastern Europe, because I want to meet a lot of interesting people. I want to explore life. I want to to open up my mind, you know, and, and, and like you guys, you guys are, well, what you're teaching, but I mean, even if you're teaching and also studying and, and doing business, that's also a great thing, you know, I mean, I think if you're teaching ASL, it's, it's, it's affords the opportunity to also study and, and, and your business, write blogs, or, or do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm part of this thing called Enter China, and the runners, the, the it's like a mastermind forum, and there are of it are Tim and Nick, and Nick, you know, and Tim. They've got several businesses in China, and they also taught English when they first came. 
But they said, you know, the thing is, like, if you come here and you want to teach English, and, and that's great, but you should always have some sort of goal in, in, your, in the back of your mind. You know? So if you want to come and teach English, then have the goal of maybe, you know, starting a business or have the goal of, like, traveling, you know, several different countries and stuff like that. So then you're, the idea of coming here and just saving money or in being a career, like a full-time career for 30, 40 years, is, I don't think that's the, the right approach to it, you know? No, no. I think also staying away from the negativity because you'll definitely meet some teachers that are a little negative and are always hating on the country or hating on life and just just stay away from those people. Just do your own thing and have a good time. Yeah, that's not just teaching. That's just like people in general. Exactly, yeah. You know, we touched on it. How do you feel about the teaching environment in China in comparison to like other countries? Because, for example, in China, and I don't, Maybe South Korea and other places are similar, but a lot of times you can get a job here without being qualified. In fact, I think most of the teachers in China are probably not qualified to be teaching English. So when you say not qualified, does it mean they don't have a university degree, or they just don't have a no, teaching background? No, not that. More, no teaching background. No, no tests or something well, like that. Well, well, that's that's honestly, that means, I don't. I, mean, I don't. Yeah. That's the norm, though. That's, that's the same way in Japan. I mean, I mean, I, I wasn't qualified to teach in Japan. I mean, if you want, you know, as far as what is being qualified means. I mean, that's that's the same thing. It's the same thing in South Korea. So I mean, that, that's just that's kind of Asian style. That's the way they do it. Uh, I think it's the same in South America. You know, from what I know, I mean, you don't really have to be qualified. It's more just about your personality and and and, and having a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, see, that's yeah. not what I ran into in Vietnam because. I was trying to teach English, and Vietnam seemed very, very strict. Like, um, you could get into a job without a TEFL or TESOL, but then they wanted you, as you were working, to get one. So you couldn't work unless you had one or you were working yeah. towards one. Well, as, as far as I know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I mean, as far as I know, in Thailand, a lot of schools now require a TESOL or, or a TESOL. Um, what, in China? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well. Like a lot of times, yeah, for sure. A lot of times they, they always like when I went for my interview, they asked me if I had it, and I said no. And the guy was like, "Oh, it's okay. Doesn't matter." <laughs> Whereas yeah. some some schools some schools will say no. You have to have it. It, it depends. Yeah, that's the, it's funny because you know we think of Japan being so strict and, and uptight, but actually in Japan it's not it's not required at all. I mean. No one had, when I was there, no one had a TEFL or a TESOL, you know, and I think even now, um, Japan's also a, kind of a eccentric, different kind of country, it's even culture, but it's very idiosyncratic, you know, that, that, that was a cool part of Japan, you know, there's not much, it's very uptight, but it's also kind of free in that, in that sense. It's like an well, I guess it, I guess it goes back to what you said earlier about, like, you know, China needs a hundred thousand more teachers every year. That's yeah. the, the supply does not meet the demand, right? It doesn't meet the demand. There's such yeah. a huge demand for teachers here. The supply is not enough, so they have to break the rules. They can't just and be like, "Oh, you don't have tussle, then you can't get a job." Then they wouldn't have it just to fill the position. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, right, so it's like, yeah, please. So, sorry, yeah, I'll finish. But, like, how do you remain productive? You know, do you have, like, more money, for example, to get you, you know, amped up for the day? Like, what keeps you motivated? 
yeah, it, it's 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 hard to get motivated sometimes. I mean, um, I, I try and rearrange my schedule where I have some you know a week or two here where I have off in the morning. Uh, yeah, I wake up and, and you know just get going. Listen to some music. I, I like to work out. I used to work out in the evenings, but I kind of changed that. I kind of work out in the mornings now. You know, I may work out, mm-hmm. clear my mind. You know, uh, um, you know. I think also when you when you, if you're working from home or just working from a coffee shop, whatever. So you don't advocate uh, being in like boxes or anything? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I think, and, and it's, that's funny because I think I started off like that, and, and you know, I think a lot of people want to do that. But I think actually the best way is to dress the same way as you would if you're going to an office. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's not to wear a suit or a tie, but you should wear a nice shirt and, and you know, whatever all slacks um, because you kind of just get into that work mode. Yeah, that's funny that you, you, you know, Tess, you mentioned the boxers thing, because I remember when I was working for a startup in Toronto before I left, a little bit of uh, while the, while my, uh, the owners of the company were traveling, and I remember making sales calls in my boxers. Like, I'm on the phone with the GM for like, the shirt in, in, like, in, like, I don't know, Texas, you know. <laughs> I was playing boxers in that moment, like it's, but yeah, for sure, it does, it does create like a very, a much more relaxed mindset, and I think if, if I dress up and I pretend like I'm going to, even though I'm working from a coffee shop, or working from home, uh, I think that does improve your productivity. Yeah, for me it definitely does, because all the work I do is pretty much at home or a coffee shop, and uh, one thing I keep complaining to Mocha about is that, um... I like to, to dress pretty well, but Vietnam right now, it's so fucking hot. It's like 45 degrees that you wear pants and like a nice shirt, and like even that, it's too much. You got to wear a t-shirt and shorts, so you got to get some clothes made where it's nice, but, you know, breathable, because even the locals here are wearing shorts, and when the locals wear shorts, you know it's fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's really gauge, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. okay, so you mentioned like in the morning, you said uh, you go to the gym. So is there is there anything like specific, like a routine you do? Because a lot of people actually set up like a stack. They do like this, then this, then this, then this. Like I know um, for me, it's like I eat breakfast, then I you know, brush my teeth, then I meditate, then I listen to like inspirational music, this like that sort of thing. Or do you just kind of get up, work no, out, I and like, get to it? No, I, I like to yeah, eat, eat breakfast right away. Then do a little bit of work, like work is like sending emails and stuff like that. You know, just kind of like administrative stuff that doesn't take a lot of mind power. And then after an hour or so, I go for a workout, whether it's a gym or go for a run, then come back, you know, obviously take a shower most days, uh, get dressed, you know, feel good, and uh, and then kind of get into that office mode, right? Go to a coffee shop or work from home, whatever. And I, I think also one of the keys is to stay organized. You know, keep your keep your apartment or your room clean, organized, and keep yourself organized or, or whatever you're doing. Uh, which is hard sometimes. You're busy, right? But you want to stay nice, and clean, keep things in order. You just, I just think you're more productive that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Messy, messy room or messy desk equals messy mind. It does. It's all about the feng shui. Uh, did I say it right? Uh, the feng shui and the ambience of, of, of yeah. how you're, yeah, fun- your environment. Yeah, feng shui. 
fun for you. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree 100%. You know, like, um, the environment does definitely influence how you feel. Like, even just for me, the place that I work at, it's a super modern building, and, you know, it's, it's all white marble and, like, you know, LCDs everywhere. And whenever I go to work, like, I'm dressed up and I look good and I feel good. And it yeah. makes me feel like I'm, you know, doing something. It makes me feel important. It makes me feel like the work I'm doing is important, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely super important, the environment that you're in. So I guess, you know, we're talking more about your perspective on your life right now. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? And where do you see your business in five years? I think you mentioned building an ESL community. I know it might be a little bit yeah. difficult. To well, you know, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I like to do a lot of things. I, mean, I think that I'd like to eventually expand and have other people working for me or with me, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, my ultimate goal is actually making my own school in the future. Um, not, not. I wouldn't be the teacher. Just I'd be on the business side of things as a former teacher. Um, but I think to have a school that's an actual physical school, but also incorporates a lot of technology and online learning as well. Yeah, I was going to say, um, have you ever considered like actually making an online course that people can sign up for? Yes, I have, and, and that's kind of the thing. I think if you have an actual physical school, you could you could make a lot of your money, or even most of your money, just from your online. Endeavors, you know, having online courses. Um, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Uh, YouTube videos, instructional videos. Um, you know, the sky is really the limit. So I just want to keep going. Um, you know, in, in five years, I, I'd probably, you know, I've been a traveler my whole life. I, I think I could see myself, you know, buying a house or, or a condo and kind of selling out a little bit. Um, just, just, uh, I was going to say, I don't know if this is Red Pill or not, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not really Red Pill, guys, but you know, I, how old, you guys are a little bit younger than me, I think. Um, I, I think I'd, I'd probably want to just have a place to kind of call my own, you know, and just have that as, as kind of my own, my office. Yeah. Um, just that be getting the states? Um, you know, I, I think best case scenario, I'd have a place in the states and have a place abroad as well. Have mm. two places. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's like, you know, yeah, I, I feel yeah. the same way about Canada. I want to have a place in Canada and somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And you can have a condo, you have a condo in China, have a condo in, in Canada, right? Yeah. And it's like, I yeah. push I push buttons a bit by kid, but it's like, Mok and I have talked about this, but it's like, I'm happy right now just sitting in Saigon and working because that's what I want to do right now. I don't feel like traveling because if you travel a lot, you meet, like, you can't have a routine, you can't really be that productive. So there's times I for agree. traveling and times for like you know just sitting and and you know just getting your stuff done or just you know kind of setting up some roots. Uh, I absolutely agree. I guess we haven't really asked you if you're a big reader or if you've read like any books on um, kind of traveling or on entrepreneurship or even just on kind of inspiration, but. Um, if someone were to understand you better as a person, would there be three books they should read, or are there three books you really recommend someone could read? I think uh, a recent book I read uh, by Hunter S. Hunter S. Thompson, uh, sorry, The Rum Diaries is a great book. Uh, I would also say uh, uh, Charles Bukowski, uh, Ham on Rye is a great book. Um, and uh, third book, probably, 
I'm a big Hemingway fan. It's just kind of lame and, and not cool anymore. But I would say <laughs> Ernest Hemingway, uh, for whom the bells toll. Uh, for that guy in Spain, he meets some young Spanish chick and they fall in love and start a war and stuff like that. Uh, those Spanish women, they'll get you. They do. They, they've got me. They've got me, man. I, I, I've switched continents. I, I used to be more in the Asian. Now I'm more in the South American. I'm definitely, I'm definitely into the Latinas, man. Are there any Latinas in China? Is there a few hanging out? Quite, quite, quite a bit, man. Quite a bit, actually. Yeah, really? quite a bit. It's, yeah, I've met a lot of Colombians. Um, I met I met a few Venezuelans. Oh, actually, it's a growing. Yeah. At least in Guangzhou. I don't... Yeah, I definitely can't say the same thing about Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those three books that you mentioned... What, uh, what what do they say about you? What do you think? What do you think they say about you? Uh, I mean, you know, I don't really have to talk about myself too much, but I guess uh, a person that that kind of lives his own lifestyle and kind of kind of cut my own path through life. You know, I'm not so I'm not so worried about what the rest of society is doing. I mean, of course, I am to some extent, right? I mean, we live in society. I'm not like radical but just you know I, I live my own way I live my own I do it myself and I, I, I don't really I'm not really too concerned about being part of a particular group or economic class you know I, I want to be successful but do it on my own terms yeah that's awesome nice that's pretty inspirational yeah uh, so yeah I, I think the podcast has been amazing I really enjoyed it but are there any topics that you wanted us to cover that we missed? Is any spe- anything specific that you want to talk about? No, I mean, we've talked about so much stuff. Um, I really can't think of anything right now. You know, yeah. with, uh, Actually, um, James, I wanted to ask you one more question because okay. you've done so much traveling and you've done a lot of teaching. Um, do you have in your mind like what the most memorable experiences were from traveling or teaching? Like I don't know if it was a relationship or something you saw, like a like an attraction or something you did, but some things that really stood out in your mind. Yeah, I, I think in, in most of my best memories, just kind of the simplest times, um, not not necessarily the partying and stuff. But I think I remember one time I took a I took a a, a ferry boat in Japan. It was a twenty four hour ferry boat. It goes from Hokkaido to Osaka. And it was just, it's, it's real chill. It's, it's, a, it's actually a bunch of old people on there, but you can, it's, it's very open. You, there's vending machines. You can buy beer. You can sit outside and smoke. And it was just a, it was just so chill being, you know, being outside an open deck by the ocean and just going along the coast of Japan for 24 hours. Um, and that was after living there for a year, you know, kind of reflecting on my past year and just feeling so free and, and, and liberated and kind of rejoicing in what I, what I had done before. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting some good feelings thinking about that. I'm just kind of imagining you on that belt. It's pretty cool. It was a nice time. Nice. I, actually, I, I just thought of a question. Um, so you mentioned, okay. you know, you you built the website by yourself and you, you yes. started the company by yourself. Are there any particular resources that you used that you think would be beneficial for a, a WordPress newbie? Yes, Absolutely. Is, and he was a WordPress newbie, is get to WordPress meetup groups. 
Um, I'm not a big, I mean, I'm not a big meetup group guy, but I started going to these WordPress meetup groups. And there's also things called WordCamps. Yeah, meetup.com. There's also there's also these things called WordCamps, and they this is like a pretty much a WordPress conference that they have, and not just not just North American cities, but also in Asian cities and South American cities as well. Um, I know there's one in Seoul, South Korea. There's probably one in Beijing or Shanghai soon. Uh, you go there, you pay like 25, 30 bucks. It's a whole weekend of free conferences. Uh, you meet a lot of cool people. They help you. Uh, you can, you can. You, there's like a room where you can, you know, you can show them your website or what you're working on. People help you for free. I mean, like, oh, nice. an expert will actually help you for free. That's um, pretty sweet. Stuff like that. Just, just meet other people. They'll, they'll, they'll help you. You can't do it yourself. Okay. That's, that's my point. Are there any other resources that have helped you with your company, with your business? Um, besides work, no, besides that, I mean, you know, uh, not, not too much. I mean, as, as far as like getting a business license and stuff like that, I mean, you can get a lot of information online. I, I took I, I okay. a couple of free classes in Chicago. There's usually like community classes you can take if you're in America or Canada or UK. I'm sure there's like a local chapter in most cities where you can get like free business advice, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, getting those that I could put them in the show notes afterwards you know, so anybody that listens to the podcast and gets inspired might be able okay. to sort of copy what's done. But yeah, man, uh, I would like to say thanks for coming on the podcast. I think it's been a, a great episode. And, uh, if you have any feedback for, for us in terms of uh, interview skills, don't feel shy. Yeah, yeah, you can call us out. We won't be uh, that that angry. It's okay. <laughs> we can take it. We got a thick skin. You guys have been great. Um, if, I, if I think of anything, I'll send you a long email. A lot of complaints. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, you guys have been great, and, and I, hope we can, I hope we can keep in touch. And uh, uh, I'll shoot you guys an email later on just to kind of touch base. And, uh, no, it's been a really great experience. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming, James. I really, uh, I really liked hearing about your travel experiences and just kind of how you've grown as a person. And uh, I know you kind of said um, you kind of wish you got into business, I guess, a bit earlier. But I think yeah. it's I think it's really awesome how you've gone to you know go to so many places and have so many experiences. Yeah, yeah because yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, those experiences probably led you to this exact moment. You know, so yeah, I'm trying to get it all out of my system first. You gotta, yeah, you gotta get out of your system. Business. Where can people find you? They can just find me at Jimmy SL www.jimmysl.com go to the contact page um, they can also find me um, I have a Facebook page for Jimmy SL uh, they can also go to Beyond Borders uh, beyondbordersesl.com and contact me directly no problem at all and not just not just about recruiting not just about jobs but if you have, people have questions about WordPress or starting a business they can also contact me uh, if you want to contact us redpillgen.com uh, we now have the crypto tweet link. It's bit.do slash rental. And uh, we also just updated our website. We have a contact us page now. So if you want to contact us directly, there's an email form there. And of course, you know, okay. if you want to leave us a review on iTunes. And yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks okay, a lot. Great, All right, take it easy, everyone. All right, peace out. Bye. Peace.
I know you like that. You wanna try that? It's like a flashback. So shake your ass crack. I got the boss to rock the saucer. Funk the blueser. Any groove to make your move. Cause taking you to another landscape is my mandate. I'm highly animated, even though I'm decomposing. So if your feet is frozen, I'ma die to see you open. See rhyme and the DJ spin. I want y'all to just get down. Now why the 